Welcome back to another episode of 10 Artist Commandments Podcast. Today I have one of my greatest mentors and just guidance. Uh, let's just say he's guided my career for years now. Laron Rogers, the lawyer to the biggest stars in the business, is on the line. Laron, welcome to 10 Artist Commandments Podcast. Appreciate it, JR. Man, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure watching your trajectory, my guy. You're doing it right. Thank you, bro. Let me tell you something real quick. So um, in church the other day, they were talking about your, your circle, right? And they were saying you always need somebody in your circle that can tell you, you know, where you're headed because they know you that well. You have to look at your circle and say, who has, who, what they say, who has properly predicted your life or properly guided your life? And I was like, you know what? LaRon Rogers has never missed when he told me something is going to, he said, JR, if you do this, this is going to happen. And you have literally never missed throughout my career. You always tell me the next move before the next move happens. And so I truly, truly appreciate you, man. You're the best lawyer. I appreciate that. Yes, you're the best lawyer a person could ever ask for, man, because your advice is always on point, man. Always. I appreciate that. You know, one of the things I try and do more than just be a lawyer is just, you know, giving business insights and, you know, seeing angles that other people don't see so you can make the right business move, not just the right legal moves. Man, I'm so grateful for you, Leron. Like when, when he said that, when the pastor said that in church, your name popped right into my head. I was like, man, Leron has predicted and outlined every move in my career, man. So I'm just super it's grateful. It's a blessing. So Leron, you are a big part of the 10 Artist Commandments. You know, the book is basically to guide creatives to be able to make money off of their career. And a huge part of that is handling their business. And you cannot handle business correctly without your attorney, without your lawyer. And so that's why for commandment number seven, we really needed you. Commandment number seven is lawyer up. And so if you could, you know, take your time. If you could read that excerpt from from 10 R's commandments, commandment number seven, lawyer up. Sure, sure. Pleasure. The first thing artists should understand is that their art is intellectual property, which means that what you have to create it belongs to you. So you have to protect it. Protection of your intellectual property in music is called a copyright. Your art, your intellectual property, also known as IP, is extremely valuable and must be protected from other artists, crooked managers, money-hungry publishers, and ruthless business executives. And if you're ever in a fight to own, own or reclaim the rights to your original art or idea, an attorney's will always be there to have your best defense. These types of negotiations and disputes cannot be done without industry-specific legal expertise. When asked what is the most common mistake that he encounters with young recording artists, Roger says, when you have young artists so anxious to get on, they throw caution to the wind and will sign whatever. Young artists will sign a contract that is unfair, inappropriate, and for whatever reason, it will end their career. These contracts often ask for too many rights that the artists don't have to give up before they even had a hit record. When they do this, they've lost all their leverage. Absolutely. So, so Leron, I mean, you deal with A-list artists to brand new artists. With that sort of range, do you still, and where we are today, do you still think that new artists should start with an attorney or, or has that sort of changed? Well, I think the new artists have to focus on creating great music and getting the audience. 
and before you have an attorney or anyone else, if you don't have those two things, I can't even do anything for you, right? I don't have anything to sell. I don't have any metrics to, to help, you know, leverage to monetize. So first thing is generally have a good product and start to build your, your community. And then I can start to move pieces around to help you so we can monetize it and actually make some real money. And that's perfect because honestly, I've been so fortunate to have you as my attorney. And so I don't know, I don't really know what it's like to have a, a, a bad attorney, but I, I guess my question is once they do get that, get that movement, what's the first thing an attorney would do for them? Well, generally if the artist, well, it's part of a team, right? So the artist, if they don't have the expertise, meaning marketing, have the relationships in the industry, and then once that comes to fruition, then there's generally some contracts from distributors, record labels, uh, brands and whatnot. So typically an artist and, and an attorney is going to handle the legal paperwork. But oftentimes what I end up doing uh, and working with young artists is helping them navigate the process from just getting on, getting their audience, setting up, you know, getting in business with the right kinds of platforms and distribution companies and marketing companies so they don't get hustled and just give them the best chance of success. And then if they have, you know, if, if we, they do catch traction, then it's fun. You know, then we're, you know, we're going to create some leverage. We're going to have a, a couple of offers out there and then we can go out, go ahead and bust them in the head and make some real money. So I, I actually have been out here just talking to a lot of independent artists and I was kind of shocked that most of them were telling me they haven't made it in the game because they've been in so many bad deals. It was like, oh, I signed with this person and they stole from me or I signed with this person and they lied about how much money they were going to put into me. I think having the right lawyer, you'll have the person who knows the people who can help versus you just signing to anybody like your lawyer can tell you, oh, no. Let's go with this person because I've seen what they've done with, with this person. You know what I mean? So people don't recognize how much of a dot connector your lawyer is versus just the legal paperwork. No, 100%. It kind of go piggybacks on what I was talking about earlier. It's, it's beyond just negotiating the, the contract. Okay. It's helping you navigate the business. Yeah. And, and sometimes just helping the client prevent them from getting into business with somebody who I know is not doing good business right. is half the battle. Right. I mean, right. Yeah, yeah, I just save them from getting into a bad situation. Then I've done a lot of good. Right. You've you saved me on several occasions. I've I brought deals to you and you were like, JR, you know, I, I've heard about this company. I've seen what they've done. This this isn't who you want to be in business with. Or I remember one time you said, JR, these people don't pay on time. This isn't somebody like you. You've always saved me from being in business with the wrong people. And, and, and that's amazing. But going yeah. back to early artists and early in their career, I always, always preach to artists like, Music is just like any other business. You're going to have to have some sort of investment ready to invest in it. Like if you're starting, if you're starting a restaurant, you're going to have to have money set aside for the legal side of that restaurant, going to get your permits, et cetera. So why would you think if you're starting a music business, you're not going to have money set aside to go and get the, the stuff that you need from your attorney? You know, and so I always preach to them, like have some money saved up for your attorney. And I guess my, my question to you would be, what would that amount look like? Like, okay, I'm a new artist. I've saved up to invest in my music business. How much range should I have set aside for attorney fees? Well, it depends what you have going on. So um, if you're really early on and you just need some guidance, you know, most attorneys will charge by the hour. And I'd probably say anywhere from $2,500 to $5,000 just to kind of get some guidance, help put the pieces of the puzzle together, 
put you, connect you with good companies that do good business, give you the best chance of success. And then once once you have some success, then you know uh, most of the time attorneys will negotiate you know label deals and whatnot on a percentage basis. So we'll get paid when the deal closes. Got you. And, and let me ask you, I, I got a ton of questions actually, Leron, now that I got you on the phone. So let me ask you this. I love it. I love it. The music business has always been uh, from from an executive side, a hustler sport. So executives always find new ways yeah. to hustle artists. So if you could, what are some of the current things that you would say like, hey, artists, be aware, stay away from this type of situation? Like, what are some of those current current uh, red flags, I guess? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is stay away from people that have unreasonable terms in a contract. Like, we all understand that if you're a recording artist, if you don't have the money or the expertise, you're going to have to partner with somebody to help you along the way, right? Yeah. And if you don't have that on your team, maybe that's an independent record label or an executive who has relationships and money to put behind your product and your music. But even that, it has to be fair. Right. And so sometimes what I'm seeing is, you know, just unfair deal terms and, and some of these executives and independent labels just they won't budge. And so what they do is they, they debo the artists and say, look, if you want me to do this, you better you got to sign it no matter what. And so that's why that's why some artists get into bad deals. I will say to those those quick turnarounds, any time they're telling you, hey, I need to sign by tomorrow. Or I need this. Like those quick turnarounds are usually not the best situations. Definitely. Yeah, that's that pressure. That. That's that pressure. Yeah. So give us like at least just one example. What's an unreasonable term? I mean, let's say somebody wants to sign you for, you know, seven albums. They want to give you, you know, virtual virtually no money. Uh, they want to take, you know. 30, 40, 50% of your ancillary, your publishing, your merchandising, your touring, you know, sometimes I get clients that have popped already and, you know, they were in a bad deal and I have to try and go back and, you know, renegotiate it and, you know, just get it to a reasonable place. They say it takes 10,000 hours to master a field. Well, what do you call spending 157,000 hours on one task? Breaking artists. Over my 18 years, I've witnessed the music business change abruptly from year to year. Yet I see artists rise to stardom throughout every era, no matter the landscape. Working directly with these success stories, I've noticed 10 principles that all these artists live by that have helped them conquer their errors. What are the characteristics? What are the traits? What are the practices of a successful artist? What does it take? 10 artist commandments no matter the air no matter the landscape no matter the platform if you want to have a successful career as an artist read this book why is it so taboo for publishing not to be a part of your your record deal like what's what's the situation there and why do people always try to keep them separate well i mean as you know when you first are a recording artist your publishing is not worth anything right it's not worth anything until you actually sell records. But when you do sell records, you do have some success. It's going to be worth a whole lot. So, you know, when I represent an artist, I'm always very hesitant and I'll try my best to fight against having publishing automatically included in the record la record label deal because I know that it's going to be valuable at a later point in time. So if I can keep that separate, then I know that you know, at some point in time, we'll be able to negotiate for those rights. And just personally, I prefer to only do admin deals. You know, if I'm representing talent or creative, I want them to own 
more of their copyrights and that way later they have something to sell they you know they own it well when you say only an admin deal we're, we're talking about publishing right so what's the difference between the admin yeah. and the, the other types of publishing deals sure so on a publishing deal so if you have mechanical royalties and other publishing royalties there's basically a couple different ways that you're going to get your money you're going to need some company to go out there and collect the money from all the different sources and that's what we call a publishing administrator. And that can be any, anything from a small company. You could do it yourself, but you probably would be leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, or you can go to some of the bigger companies like a Sony Music Publishing, Universal Music Publishing Group, Warner Chapel. Those are some of the bigger outfits and they'll collect the money for you. At its essence, you know, publishers, are, they just collect money. But a lot of publishers were also, they try and do what we call, and that's just admin. So there's just, that's just a flat fee. Any, generally anywhere from 10 to, they take 10 to 20% of the, of the money that they collect and they turn the rest over to the writer and they don't own any of your publishing. You still keep 100% ownership of your publishing. In a co-publishing deal, that's where that same administrative company, they also now own 50% of your publishing. And that's, that's the part you try not to do if you don't have to. So sometimes you have to do it if an artist really wants a bigger check or more money then you got to, you know, those rights cost, right? So um, in order to get that bigger check, sometimes the company's like, hey, I want co-publishing. I want to own part of your publishing. And so, you know, it's always a little bit of a dance trying to go back and forth there. But I prefer just to do admin deals. So definitely keep the publishing separated from the record deal if you can. And then when it comes to doing your publishing deal, try to do admin so you can keep ownership. You see uh, in the news a lot about these catalog sales, right? So you can only sell your catalog if you own something so, and they're very valuable. You can only sell what you own. So, you know, what I've been able to do very successfully is help clients retain ownership. And I mean, we've been doing catalog deals like crazy. And so, you know, again, if you don't own nothing, you can't sell anything. So with these new artists, and I can just speak from my perspective, right? What I'm seeing right now, we're on this sort of independent revolution. You know what I mean? Like, Every artist I talk to right now, they want to be independent. They don't want to sign anybody. So like the mystique of the record label has dwindled. You know what I mean? And I don't know why I'm smiling like I'm happy about that. Like I have something against the record labels. I, I don't. <laughs> I just see the revolution. My thing is, with that being said, how does that affect lawyers and their practice? If you're not doing the big record deal, what type of deals are people now doing now that they're independent, I guess? Well, first of all, music consumption is through the roof nowadays. Unlike what you may think in conventional wisdom, you know, consumers' consumption of music is greater than ever with the advent of all the streaming services. You know, the music is right on your phone. Like it's super convenient to listen to just about anything you want to at any time you want to. Right. There's not a problem about consuming music. The problem nowadays is monetizing the music. So streaming has really changed the game in terms of the amount of money that comes in for artists that has significantly been reduced. And, you know, I personally, I think, you know, when the record labels gave those blanket licenses to the um, the streaming services and they took ownership in those streaming services early on and they agreed to a super small, tiny royalty for the artists, I think that was just a travesty. You know, they sold the artists out. You know, now when I talk to young artists who are getting going, I really tell them music is a loss leader. Don't expect to make money from selling your music initially. You use the music to get eyeballs and then we're going to monetize the eyeballs. We're going to 
go do touring deals. We're going to sell merch. We're going to, you know, do NI, you know, name brand, name, image, and likeness deals, brand ambassador deals. Like we're going to monetize your fame more so than the music. Eventually the music catches up and you can, you know, you can, you can earn good amount of money from the music, but that's not the, that's not the leading revenue stream. With these new tech platforms, like I've been dealing with, I've been dealing with even where we get to sell the album, you know, through the blockchain. And I've been dealing with groups where you yep. can monetize like through subscription base and even like pay what you want. And then like dealing with like a little Russell who's doing like offer based touring all of these new ways of money are popping up. I know you work with a lot of record labels doing, doing their deals, I guess, has their business model started to change or are they still operating in the same way that they've been operating in? You mean the, the big record labels? Yeah. Like or the small like, independents. No, the, the big record labels, like because of this new sort of revolution, all these new technologies and platforms popping up, are you starting to see a, a shift in the way that they do business? They, they're doing business basically the same way they've always okay. done business. Okay. You know, they, 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 they throw it out there. They see what hits, they put some money behind it. If not, if it doesn't pop, they go on to the next artist. I mean, unfortunately that's, you know, what they've always been successful in doing. And you know, the, the folks that work for them, they've always done it that way. And that's typically what they still do to this day. But some of the platforms that you mentioned, that's, that's the new business, right? So the new business is getting the eyeballs, building your community, just like we said, LaRussell did. And then from your community, they, those are the people that support you. They support you by you know, like I said, buying, buying, buying an album, buying a t-shirt, coming to a concert, you know, all those different kinds of things. That's how you get support. You know, if you can get 5,000 people to spend a hundred dollars a year, then you've made $500,000. You can, you can, you can support yourself on that as an artist. You see what I'm saying? A lot more to support yourself with half a million. <laughs> I mean, nowadays you can make music for, for little or nothing. You know, it's just, it's all about marketing and, and get, building your audience. With a lot of, a lot of artists that I talk to when, when they're looking for lawyers, I mean, everything is searchable. Now you can search up a lawyer and, and try to find a lawyer, but how do you know which lawyers to trust? Like, how, like it's such a scary thing to put a lawyer on your team. Like, what should you be looking for when you're looking for your lawyer? Well, someone with experience, uh, I've been doing this 25 years and it's not just negotiating the contract that helps an artist be successful. It's navigating the business, the entire business side of the entertainment business. You know, there's probably a lot of good lawyers that can just negotiate the, the contract, but how do you know whether you should be getting $200,000 for this deal or $2 million? So that takes someone that really understands metrics. They, under, they understand, you know, how to create leverage, just a, a sense of what's this worth? Because a record label is going to try and sign you for as little as they can. But if I, if I look at a situation and a new lawyer looks at the same situation, I may look at it completely different because I understand where this can be or what the metrics are and how valuable it is. And that's, that's really where the secret sauce is. So I always tell people when it, when it comes to like finding your lawyer, you have to look for somebody who's a in the, been doing it in the same lane that you're trying to do it in. So. Do they represent artists similar to you? It's almost like trying to find a label. Like, does this label represent artists similar to me or does this lawyer represent artists similar to me? Is it, it's kind of like matching it up. And then have they done it recently? Because I think even you pointed out in the book, deal structures change over time. Like the way you yeah. did a deal 18 months ago, maybe totally different than how we're doing these deals now. And so some things may be outdated or obsolete. So you need that lawyer that's been doing things in your lane 
recently. So that's what I always tell them to look for, out for. And I got I got a, a lawyer question for you, just in case other lawyers are watching this. Outside of the 25 years, how do you go about becoming a Leron Rogers? What's the strategies that they should take upon themselves to reach the top of the mountain? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a young lawyer and you're not really in the field yet, and I mentee, mentor a uh, number of younger lawyers, if you come across or talk your way into a situation, just partner up with a more established lawyer and you'll learn over time. Like this industry really takes five to seven years before you really see what the whole play is, where all, everything starts to come together. You know, I have lawyers that work for me here at the firm and they've been working with me for years and they still learning new stuff because it just changes, it morphs. You know, the more experience you get, then the bigger the deals get. There's no one size fits all. There's no one situation. You just have to work with somebody who's been doing it and does it regularly because like you said, these deals change, they morph. There's a lot of nuance in this industry. And if you don't understand what the nuances are, what the leverage points are, you're just doing your, your client a disservice. I got a question because you're also a litigation lawyer, meaning you go to court and you, you argue in court, right? I mean, I don't do very much litigation anymore, um, but I did cut my teeth as a litigator. You know, I was a very, very high profile litigator for a, a long time. The deals that we're doing now, I, I primarily focus on transactional deals just because the deals are just so big. And you know, litigation takes a year, year and a half. I oversee. I, I still oversee litigation because I I see and understand this industry probably better than most. Um, but I have other partners and and associates actually handling handling the litigation files. But you know, now I primarily focus on my trans transactional business, my private equity clients, venture capital, technology, how it all interrelates into the, the entertainment business. Big business is basically what you're saying. <laughs> I handle the big business. Like, I handle your deals. I handle yeah. your deals. <laughs> Getting back to 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 the book, and you know, we're we're just about at time. You've worked with, I'm sure at this point, over a hundred different artists. Have you noticed a difference between the artists who are educated and the artists who are uneducated? Like, has that has that showed up in, in your career working with artists? Are you able to tell the difference? Yeah. So I think at a core, most artists don't understand the full grasp of the music business when they come to me, right? They're an artist. They've been doing their creative stuff and you know they're just trying to come up with a hit record and they don't understand the economics, how royalties work, you know, all the grants and the rights and stuff that they're in contracts. And so one of the things that I just really take pride in doing and taking a lot of time up front with young artists is just educating them. Yeah. What's the money you can expect? What do they, what's the record label asking for? What does that really mean in real life? Right? Cause I want an educated client because an educated client makes better business decisions. I've heard stories of, you know, other lawyers and that just basically they just care about what's the money, you know, don't, they'll give away the whole house. You know, sometimes there's a, there's a balance where, okay, maybe we, do we want to take less money and not give away all these other rights or, you know, there's, there's a discussion to be had. So my preference is to have an educated client. Now, some clients care more than others. Some just like, I don't, I don't care. Just, you know, if you say it's good, it's good. I'm signing it. Some, shoot, some are signing it. Like, Laura, I'm signing it no matter what. So, <laughs> you know, so it, it, it kind of goes everywhere. And then I got some that are on it. They want me to go through every paragraph, explain it, break it down, give them a written summary so they can read it later and come back with questions. I don't mind that at all. I love it actually, because again, when they're more educated, they make better business decisions. Even, even in my dealings with you, like, and, and I, and I will not be, I'll be honest. I'll be transparent. Like usually I just say, Hey, Leron, what are the bullet points? Like, <laughs> give me the, main, give me the main bullet points. And then I'll go, I'll go yeah. off of those because 
honestly reading those contracts, and this is being super honest and transparent, reading those contracts are who I don't know how y'all do it, but I will say this, and I know you can't, I know you can't speak to this, but I've heard many times that they do that on purpose. They make oh, yeah. those contracts that way so that you can't read them. That only a trained eye can read those contracts. No, no, that's true. And and what's crazy is one label in particular switched up their form recently. And they inserted all kind of stuff that's some some BS. And so you have to pay attention. You can't just assume that, oh, just because I did a deal with you three months ago that this contract is the same contract that we did three months ago. You have to pay attention. It's the smallest things that can make the biggest changes in your financial career. Yeah. Those key words and those key phrases are killers. And, and one thing I want to emphasize that I want to make sure that we do emphasize on this young artists listening to this, and, and I'll let you speak on it, Leron. Your contracts are the most important business decisions you'll make. Like you have to live and die by those contracts because once you sign them, they are ironclad. So can you speak to that? Yeah. So, you know, I tell artists, especially young artists, go out there, make creative, great music with whoever you want to make it with. Just don't sign anything. If you just follow that one rule and you don't sign anything until you have a competent, experienced lawyer to review it, then you, you saved yourself a lot of aggravation. I mean, I've, I've had horror stories where I'm representing a producer, writer, and they get in the studio and they so happen they're working with their boy and then their boy blows up and then their boy's manager gives them a one page document it's like, oh, sign this real quick. You know, you know, it just says this or this or that. And then they sign it and now they've given away all their rights. You know, then they come back and they ask me like, hey, where are my royalties at? I'm like, okay, well, what did you sign anything? Yeah, they gave me this one page thing and said it was this and that. And I look at it, I'm like, you just signed away all your rights to this. Sometimes it's the simpler one, two pager that's the most dangerous. Wow. So you got to be careful. Just don't sign anything. I always say yeah. just don't sign anything that your lawyer hasn't approved. The biggest yep, mistake exactly. that I see people make is not understanding that it has to be an entertainment lawyer. There's not one lawyer for everything. It's not like a family lawyer. You have to make sure you're dealing with an entertainment lawyer because a family lawyer or any other type of lawyer is not going to know anything about the entertainment business. And so you have to make sure you're dealing with the right type of lawyer. 100%. Now, I mean, that's so crucial because in the entertainment space, certain words have a totally different meaning than in other business. And if you don't understand what that is and the nuance of it, as an artist, you're, you can be sunk, absolutely sunk. And experienced lawyers, we know when we're dealing with someone that doesn't know what they're doing and you know, you're just licking your chops because <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to represent my client. So if you don't know what you're doing on the other side, you're going to get got. Oh man. I appreciate this. Leron, how, how can they get in touch with you if they, if they wanted to be represented by Leron Rogers? Sure. I mean, all my social handles are at Leron Rogers, L-E-R-O-N-R-O-G-E-R-S. You can catch me at the office, hit my assistant, Antonia Acevedo, set up a call, you know, this, yeah, I'm, I'm outside. I'm here. All right. Well, appreciate you, Leron. Thank you for doing this so much, man. And so we'll, we'll talk soon, but great, hey, man. I'm proud of you, brother. Like, yeah, proud of you and all the things that you've been doing. You've set a, a beaming example. I've, I've told you this for years that you have the most unique skill set out here and there's not another J.R. McKee out here. So uh, I, I love seeing the stuff that you're doing. Thank you, Leron. I, I appreciate that a lot, bro. I really, really appreciate that. Cool. We'll see you guys on the next episode of the 10 Artist Commandment podcast. This has been Commandment number seven, Lawyer Up with Leron Rogers.